Welcome to West Virginia and Commonplace. Um, this is a topic that is crazy. And this topic, at some point, I'll probably end up starting a series on this. So I'm going to say this is the first episode in this series called Boundaries. Boundaries are something that I didn't grow up with. Um, I was reckless emotionally, mentally, and different things. And just in life, boundaries, they weren't taught to us. They, I was taught a sense of a boundary, like, you know, you don't go past certain areas, you don't go into the water since you can't swim, that type of boundary. But we're talking about the boundaries that matter when you become an adult. Um, my first lesson in boundaries was that you have to allot a certain amount of yourself to people and a certain amount of yourself you got to take away from people. And I did not get that until the age of 30. I am 37 now, so I've only had for seven years. So I don't even have a decade's experience. I don't have, I'm not a master of this. And this is something that really, really bothers me because everything I do, I try to I have a mastery of it, but I like to be more than just a novice with it. And I have with me on this episode, Amy J. Harris. Amy J. Harris, in uh, some point you will have figured she has done quite a bit with me thus far. And she has a similar but different experience with boundaries. So I want to hand it over to Amy. Please, Amy, tell everybody about yourself and tell them a little bit about your story with boundaries. Thank you, JR. As he said, I'm Amy J. Harris, three-time published author, most notably of The Truthful Intuitive Guide to Life Everlasting, sold out on Amazon. Um, my experience with boundaries is not only similarly to JR, uh, did my family never practice boundaries at all. And like, as a result, and I touched on this in the Frankly Francisco podcast, I grew up with a myriad of abuse, um, mental, physical, sexual, emotional, I'm not naming names, obviously, but it was abusive. Um, and so I think boundaries and abuse go hand in hand to some degree. I think it's abusive to uh, not set and follow boundaries with family members um, because Every human being is different. Therefore, if you're going to condition people into being who you are instead of who they are, at the very least, you should set boundaries of basic decorum and respect. And that was completely lacking in my household. My sisters will agree. Um, I got the worst of it because I was as the favored child. That's a double-edged sword. So I was the favorite child and um, as the favorite child, not only do you reap the rewards of everything great, but also you are scrutinized. I was overly scrutinized. Um, basically my father, especially treated me like a piece of property instead of a daughter. I was not allowed to think, speak, act, feel for myself. Um, the feelings were more on my mother's side. My dad was sort of like a robot. They're both passed on. So I'll talk about them however I damn well please. Um, and he was um, not okay with me. Now, in different ways, my mother was not okay with me. Uh, she was more on the emotional side where, you know, she would force you to hug and kiss her when you didn't feel like it was just you know, some semblance of sexual abuse. Like it's okay. She wasn't sexually abusing me, but she accused him of it. Right. So I got to look at her and say, that is not okay to like force a child to hug and kiss you when you feel like being hugged and kissed, like go and get that from your husband. Well, they weren't getting it from each other. Right. 
So they were doing that kind of nonsense with me. Um, so there's that extreme case of boundaries and Jared's story will be different. But as we spoke earlier, prior to this episode, I have a, a, an even bigger issue than boundaries in that I grew up and I told him I graduated cum laude from the University of Massachusetts at Amherst in 1993. I did really well in school in general. Um, I did well enough on the SATs. I never learned the word discernment. It was like such a light bulb moment when my mother-in-law used it and she was a therapist and, you know, we've talked at length about my childhood. And I said, what is that word? I don't know. What's the word? And she's like, oh boy. And they never, you don't know the word discernment because they never let you discern anything. Right. So I was literally a brain circus animal. Um, I was expected to behave in very specific ways and I was not allowed to discern anything for my own self ever. I was taught to A, be a mini me of my mother. And then when she violated my boundaries so badly, when I was 14 years old, I woke up to the absolute sham scam of her mini me. Um, that awakening led to, you know, a bunch of other horrific awakenings. Um, but, but yeah, I was not allowed to discern. I, there were no boundaries in my family and discernment was non-existent. So as a result, I grew up and moved out into the world, asking the entire world, their opinion on everything. Uh, which is crazy when you're an adult, you, you need to discern for yourself because nothing that anyone else is doing makes sense for you. Uh, unless it does most of the time, it doesn't, you're a snowflake individual and you have to figure out things for yourself. Like I know people who are 60 now and still ask me my opinion on things, not from a psychic empathic standpoint where they're going, Hey, can you channel this or that? Right. But just a basic, like, well, what do you think I should wear? It's like, what are you talking about? Why am I going to tell you what to wear? Are you insane? You're 60 years old. Like grow up. Like that's not okay. So that person was clearly also not taught to discern. And so I'm going to give them a hard lesson and say, I'm not, not going to choose your clothing. You're, you're not a child. You're 60 years old. Um, so back to your point of boundaries and, and I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say about it. Obviously, um, I think boundaries and discernment go hand in hand. I think when there aren't boundaries, um, you, you now have crossed a, a major discernment line as well, where you're letting the other person know, um, not only do you, do, does my world and your world not have uh, a line between them that it does have, but I will tell you what to do at all times because I'm not going to allow you to discern that for yourself. It's 100% absurd. Okay. And one thing I'll do, this episode inside the boundaries, because I decided while we were sitting here, I want to actually make this a series and have a bunch of people on about boundaries. Your episode now is called Discernment. We're going to, that's what the title of this episode will be. Um, now, audience, real quick. And this is something that you can find anywhere on the internet. Discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong. It is knowing the difference between right and almost right. So it's a perception. That chills. Beautiful. Yeah, it's a sharp perception or it's like kind of how you, it's the ability to judge something well in your favor. And that's a boundary right there. If you're not, that's something that 
that hinders you in, in boundaries because you don't know how to judge this person. You don't know how to confine these people. And I hate to say the word confine, and I'm not saying it in a prison term, but I'm saying when you have boundaries, you confine yourself a certain way. You put a perimeter around you to protect you from things that you don't necessarily have to go through. Um, so my boundary issue was very simple. Um, in life, it wasn't that I'll ever let anybody walk over me because I've always had a strong presence. It was that I let things slip through the cracks, things that I should be aware of, things that I should have put the red flag on. I let escape like repeated behaviors that were not proper. Um, the mother of my child, nice lady, love her to death, uh, for having my child but there were things in our relationship that we didn't have boundaries set up so we did not last um and that was my first instance of knowing that hey i don't have boundaries and i do not have um good mechanisms to make boundaries because i wasn't taught them so i learned i went and learned on about boundaries by going to youtube academy like everybody else like what is a boundary like i didn't go to anybody for help with it and i was like when i do these actions these calls me to let people know that, Hey, I have no boundaries come inside this fortress and do what you want, tear the fortress down and make your own kingdom inside mine and then kick me out. So, um, right at 30, I had an incident happen, um, where I was doing this podcasting thing with a partner of mine named Tuesday and I didn't set up the proper boundaries and her and I did a very good show. It was short lived, but our show went somewhere else. She ended up buying me out. And she took the show and went elsewhere. And I mean, the show's now defunct now, but at that time she made a lot of money off of it and did a lot of stuff because I didn't set the boundaries to keep myself inside that. And that was the first thing that, that was the first major blow to me that I knew I had to set boundaries. As a child, it came in a place when people wanted to push their opinions on me. I didn't have boundaries set up to say, Hey, no, this is not right. I didn't always go along with what they said, but if you came to me with a good per- persuasion and you had some type of, because everybody knows I'm technical, a scientific fact, <laughs> not not necessarily a scientific fact, but a fact that was something that I could, that tangible, something that was tangible, I could go with, I would run with you with it, even if it wasn't right. And as I got older, I learned, hey, set boundaries. So the very first thing that I do in life with anyone is I set up a, a communication barrier barrier and in that communication barrier the first 25 words that we speak to each other are going to be positive and negative it's not going to be a straight flow of positive stuff and this is with anyone that has ever talked to me through a message or through anything because i have to gauge you i've got to see how far we can do things and how how less that we can do things and sometimes doing the less what someone is doing the most with me so with that i use the less technique since i'm older now and i will speak with you and i will give you my intentions from the get-go. I don't sugarcoat anything. I don't I don't make any type of sugary apparatus around what I have to say to you or what I'm trying to achieve with you. If we're going to be friends or if we're going to be some type of mutualistic, but not, or some something mutualistic and symbiotic uh, entity, I will let you know. But, we're, but anything that forms a parasitic uh, system with me, I just eradicate it. I just get rid of it. I've learned through having boundaries that I can actually just let some things go because not everything's for me. That's the one thing that I was not taught that not everything was for me. And once I've learned that sometimes it's hard, but I'll be a part of something and 
it'll seem like it's going well or doing well. And then sometimes I literally have to walk away from it. Now, moving on from things, I'm still doing that every day. We have to move on from things in certain capacities. And even as today, a conversation was spoke up about something that I know I have to completely move away from. So I swiped left on it and moved it out of my system. Deleted it. It's gone. So that's my take. So, so interesting. I, I wrote a lot of stuff down. Woof. Okay. Um, a lot of times to address what you said initially, a lot of times we auto block what the people we love do and say, all right, or the people we're connected with or whatever, business-wise or otherwise, we auto block. That's something I, that's my term. Um, it is a defense mechanism, auto blocking. Do not get it twisted. It is nothing but a human defense mechanism. Just like when someone you love dies, you literally shut down um, because you cannot handle the amount of pain that you are experiencing with the death of a loved one. So you shut down, you auto block all of your feelings, okay? So when that person did what they did with that podcast, what you did was auto blocked. Um, You did that. And then later on, with some reflection, you were able to see what it was. But you weren't able to even engage with it immediately because you were protecting yourself. Like, fair enough, it was a defense mechanism. That's a natural human instinct. Um, you talked about major blows. My, my greatest teachers in life are my worst moments in life. I say thank you. I say, thank you for showing me who you are so I can get the hell away from you. I say, thank you, God, um, for showing that person to me. Um, I love all of that stuff because you are wasting my time if you want to come into my life and hurt me. Um, Enough people have hurt me in my life and I'm about to turn 51 on August 12th. so many people have hurt me in life that I am well protected by God, well aware that it would have been so much worse had I not been, had, had, you know, the universe not laid a hands on me my entire life. So, um, we do learn best from blows. We do auto block to protect ourselves. As far as communication barriers go, as you know, and will remember well, that got you temporarily blocked with me. Um, I operate from a heart chakra. So that don't work in my arena. So when somebody puts up communication barriers with me and they're trying to get me to do what I call an obstacle course of emotions, um, I will move on. And JR, thank God, you know, saw my barrier and thought I was worth something enough for him to pursue me in another way to find me and say, Hey, why did you block me? Right. I think like another account or whatever. I let him know that, you know, first of all, yeah, like there were, I know what you were doing because I'm an ascended master because I am a psychic empath and I know. So there's, so, you know, I know intuitively what you're doing. But here's why I blocked you. It's not because I got mad, went into ego or anything like that. I recognize the defense mechanism. And I said, this is um, 
something I'm not going to do with him. I'm not going to operate with him the way he operates with everyone else because I'm different and, and that's not, we're not going to do that. Um, I did that for his own benefit to make sure that we were okay. Right. So how will I know? I know that I have other accounts and he's smart and he'll find and he did. Um, I like your sentence, you know, well, I don't know what you said. My sentence is not everything is for everyone. When it comes to discernment, not everything is for everyone. Your sentence was good too. I, having said everything I just said, um, defense mechanisms are human and fine. I highly recommend them. Also, I highly recommend trying to just due to the basic point of ascension and where we are in the earth's ascension process. And that's who I am and, and, you know, why I'm here. Okay. Is to ascend the people of planet earth. Let me speak this from my heart. I would recommend while you are protecting yourself, also opening up your heart chakra and, um, Speaking the things you need to, to speak protectively, but sort of putting your shoulders back while you're doing it, allowing your chest to expand and um, giving yourself, first of all, it makes you feel kind of like haughty, which you're not being, you're not being haughty, but you, you are, you're, you have your barrier up, but you also are opening your heart to vulnerability. If you operate from a place of fear at this point on planet Earth, we're going to have a problem. Uh, planet Earth does not like what's going on. The universe does not like this fear-based stuff that humanity is engaging in at present. So everything in life comes from a place of love or comes from a place of fear. Every decision you make, everything you think, speak, act, and feel is either under the umbrella of love or fear. I wish to operate from love. I'm not saying that I don't get triggered to a place like Jared triggered me a little bit, but then I flipped it and said, this is really about him, not me. And then I got into all the other empathic stuff. I made a decision knowing he could reverse the decision. Don't come from a place of fear to this extent where you just shut everything down and haven't given the other person at least a tiny little window of opportunity to come back, to circle back to you and say, hey, I think we had a misunderstanding, which is what happened between, you know, myself and JR. He said, I, I think we have a misunderstanding. I said, I think so too. And we, we hashed it out. Um, thank God. Open your heart chakra. Yes, protect yourself. At the same time, be vulnerable, which is such a difficult thing. I'm happy to guide people on how to do that um, effectively. It will only help you. Oftentimes, what I'm seeing, especially in the younger generations, is this um, ascension process of cut and run. Um, I... Don't like what you're thinking, speaking, doing, feeling. Bye. They like to say, okay, bye. Um, what have you resolved? Let's circle back to what we said earlier with the term major blow. 
you've resolved nothing. You have protected yourself, but so what? You've protected yourself against a million people thus far in life. The things that have gotten you further in life have, have, have been where you've also learned while protecting yourself. So JNR and I have learned um, a boundary, a eh? um, how to discern what's good for him, what's good for me, and what works together. And in my case, um, keeping the, the window open by opening my heart chakra and saying, you know what, I have compassion for him. He's putting up boundaries. That's his MO. That's how he operates. But I'm not going to have it because I also get to discern for myself that that's not, that's not how I roll. So let me cut it short, but leave a window. And those who are worthy use the window. I do not leave a door. That's too easy. But you will get a cracked window, which you will have to then open and say, hey, girl, what's up? <laughs> you know, what happened? <laughs> and I'm a woman. I mean, say, hey, girl, but I'm a woman. And because I'm a mature woman, I'll say, here's what happens. And I'll just be honest and vulnerable and say, here's where I was. Here's where you were. We can go back and forth on it. But um, please do while you're protecting yourself, open up your heart chakra and have a, an adult conversation. Another thing that I think a lot of really young people I'm seeing um, are unable to have adult conversations. I'd like to talk about that a little bit, what your perspective being younger than I am, um, what you have to say about this sort of, and you don't have that issue, but a lot of younger generations do have that issue of being unable to have an adult conversation. They literally cut and run. They shut it down. They say very narcissistically, that's not good for me. I'm done. What is that? Well, I can say this, and this is just um, our generation is not that far from in between. Like our taught generations like this, everybody does a 10 year stretch. But um, I want to say at least from this up until 1995, if you were not born at least by 1995, you were not given the arts of conversation. Um, the younger generation and even some in 95, also like 1991, basically. 91 or 92, that's a better example. Those generations, we were still taught conversations and stuff like that. I'm from 1985. So I grew up, you know, before the computer generation was heavy, but we still had to had to resolve things. Resolve is not a word that is used anymore because people can just wrap their head around this simple thing that since I don't like it, I don't have to put up with it. Ah. Um, and, you know, when we were growing up, you had to resolve things. You didn't get an opportunity to just obstacles you you didn't get to go around them. You had to go straight through them. And that is a difference in society. You now you don't have to go straight through something. Now people will give you a cheat door or that you can go around it and find another Avenue to get to the opportunity um, that you're looking for. So what has happened is, is there's no more, no more need for resolution between people. We can just walk away from it and go do whatever. And hopefully we find the same fit. And that's something that is, that's something that's, you know, talk to them and, you know, if they don't respect who you are and what you bring to the table, that's what's different about this generation. They have no resolve or they're not given that up. They were not taught that that's part of conversation, but part of not, let me take that back audience, not conversation, communication. Um, the let communication, me ask you a question because I went like this. No good. No bueno. Um, how do you grow? If you don't 
stand there in front of another human being and say what I do. All right, let's go. Give me your worst. How do you grow in life? You will continue to go about your life narcissistically, walk away from everything. And I will ask you, what have you learned? Okay, so you've learned you don't like that and you don't want it. I mean, how would a child like grow up? Okay, so what have you learned? Nothing. How do you grow? You don't. We grow by putting one another in each other's space and saying, uh, that doesn't work for me, JR. Okay, Amy. Um, well, that doesn't work for me. And we go back and forth. And maybe at the end of the conversation, we say, you do you, boo, you know, one of my favorite sentences. So, but maybe, and nine times out of 10, Jared, and I come back around, I see something in him and he sees something in me and we learn from each other. That's the best case scenario. What have you learned and how do you grow if you just narcissistically cut it off and walk away? If it's a major infraction in terms of boundaries and discernment, if it's a major infraction, yes. But if it's the myriad of what normally happens are minor infractions and miscommunications, that I guarantee, okay, hand to the universe, God, or whatever you want to call it, from my intuition here, direct channel, will repeat itself. People will come back and they will do the same thing, okay? So if you don't want to find yourself in a maddening karmic circle, which I personally at 51 and refuse. Okay, as an ascended master, I must keep my karma over 51%. The second anyone does anything that shoots it to a different percentage, I must correct it immediately. So if you don't like spinning in circles, then you know, you want to move on from that karmic lesson. You must stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with the other human being as two adults should know how to do by the time everyone's 18. Learn, change, grow. Do not cut and run. Cut and run has gotten you nowhere in life. In terms of soul growth. Um, I don't want to come. I mean, I'm not as an ascended master, I'm not coming back for another lifetime. It's my last lifetime, but, it, but you can, you have some say, yes, some things are faded, but you also have some say over how many times you come back by how hard you work in this reality, this current lifetime. How hard do you want to work at correcting your karma, learning, changing, and growing learning your karmic lessons and ascending. Um, ascension is not, I'm out, <laughs> okay? That's narcissism. Ascension is expansion of consciousness, which forces you to have these hard conversations. True. And, and the one thing that you were talking about in here that uh, I, that I didn't even touch it on that topic, and I'll just 
just touch on it briefly. Um, the hardest thing in this world today is compromise. People think of compromise uh, and not as real form of ter- terminology. Compromising is taking two people's views and putting them together and going with them. Sometimes it looks like one's heavier favored than the other, but people think that when you compromise, you give up everything about you. And that is something that these people that are quick to cut conversation and cut whatever they're doing with you, compromise is another thing that has been taught uh, improperly to people. Because compromise, you don't have to give up all your views. You're looking at both sides and seeing how it can work. So compromise is something that, um, that's a, that's another part inside the boundaries. Some people compromise too much. And that's where discernment comes in, because if you have discernment in your life, you'll know that when you're making that compromise, you're discerning a certain way to judge that, hey, this will work for me here. Parts of it may not work for me in certain areas, but I can get through that storm as long as it's a continued effort between both parties or however many parties are involved. So all that stuff right there ties hand in hand. And like I said, in this generation, it's a very fast generation. It's a quick communication. It's an attention span that's not very long um, brought to it by the technical devices such as a TikTok and this and that because 30 second um, attention spans to three minute attention spans. That's what you're given. You're given 30, 60, and three minutes. Uh, that's what this new generation has. And this is what they're slowly inputting into their minds that that's how much attention I'm going to give to anything. Three minutes at the most, 30 seconds at the least. So that's, and, and, and I'm not saying that's over in the business arena. I'm just talking about a general life. So, like, just the way that they were brought up is different than us because we were taught that we were taught. We weren't given the the system of this when me and you were in school. And this is something that I talk about whenever we do these little uh, formal things. Um, and this is a little off topic, but it will tie back in in just a second. When we were in school, we were taught to learn. We were not taught to take tests. When we got older, as our education got stronger and we had a better foundation, we were taught to take tests. But we weren't taught to take tests from the beginning. This generation is taught to pass a test. That's different than the other two things I said. And with them being taught to take a test, they're they are taught to take certain points of things and that anything else that doesn't pertain to that is just filler. It's not important. So having that kind of mentality and you spin that learning technique into how you embrace things and how you capture things. So once again, that's a learning process. They're taking that mindset that I am taught to take a test, so I've got to get a quick result that favors me, and it's what I want right then and there. If it doesn't, it's not going to help me succeed, so it's not going to help me pass the test in life. It's going to make me fail, and it's a process that you can't use in life because taking that same formula, you get what I'm saying? You can take the formula of, of you know, like we were taught that you were taught to learn something, and you learn it, you compromise, you figure out what's going on in life, you learn those wheels. But being taught to just take a test, you're taught a simple principle of that you have to have a proven result right then and there. Because when you take a test or or you were taught to take a test, you were taught that I need to know X amount of stuff about this. When I put it to paper and it's applied to principle, it goes completely straight in a correct format. If it does not, it's wrong. And that's the what's taught there is the wrong portion. The wrong portion. Okay. Okay. That's a lot of information. And a lot of stuff came down. A lot of stuff. Like we don't have time for all the stuff that just came down. And I just like my hand hurts from writing. <laughs> it was very good. It was very well said. 
here's what came of it. You moved into the word compromise from discernment. You said, give up all of everything. What came down, the first phrase was people pleasing. So if you go about your life as a people pleaser, you will forget who you are and why you're here. When you talk about learning and how it was to learn back in, and we're only a half generation apart, right? So it's not even a generation, but other generations now. So I, I, I dig everything you said. There was none of this going on where I was shaking my head. It was all correct. Um, mm-hmm. I was taught, okay, fair enough. Pre-university, I was taught to learn. Fair enough. In Sheepleville, I'll call it. I was taught to learn. I was still taught to learn under the constructs of others. When I went to university, it blew my mind wide open. Those who don't have the opportunity to go to college, their parents are doing them a great disservice. And I get it. I get that you might have money constraints or whatever, but if you cannot do that for your child, probably don't have a child. I'm just going to speak on it here. Um, you're doing them a grave disservice. And there are people that need to learn trades. So my husband is one of them. Okay. He's very smart. He learned to trade, but what he did not learn was to blow his mind wide open. So a lot of his views belong to his father. A lot of his views are sort of, you know, minded by the area and where, where he grew up and even where we are now in Pennsylvania. Um, when you go to the university and you meet people from all walks of life all over the world, the expansion that happens of your mind is enormous. So what college taught me, or in my case, university, was not just how to learn, which there was a huge component of that, but it taught me who I was, not why I was here because I was still sheepled and still forced into a career path that had nothing to do with why I'm here. I was a CPA, (laughs) shudder. So it blew my mind wide open in terms of, oh, okay, I get to discern now. Um, Does that work for me? Does that not work for me? Suddenly I was telling my mom, no, I don't want to call you every Sunday. Why should I have to call you every Sunday? It's annoying. I have this going on Sundays, that going on. She didn't like it one bit, but too bad. I stopped Sunday phone calls. Um, I, you know, was taught to live on my own to a certain extent, still under the umbrella of my parents' finances, which is why they directed my career. It was one bad thing about it, right? But I still think it was a good experience altogether overall. So when you expand your mind to that degree, you start to learn who you are. And then you can go around and say, you know, okay, that's fine for you, but this is what I'm going to do in life. Um, That's the who you are that you hopefully will begin to learn. I think that that ascension process is happening faster for people now, certainly than it did in our generation. You have to take a sledgehammer to your conditioning and say, that is not who I was. That is what you made me to be. 
I am this and start to walk that talk. And only then when you have walked the talk of who you are, can you be shown by the universe why you are here? Okay. I can, I can go with that. Now, lining this all up, um, audience, once again, I want to thank Amy for coming on the show. Um, this show started off as a boundary show, so it's part of the boundary series. Now, this will be the first episode inside discernment. Um, and discernment is the ability to obtain sharp perceptions or to judge well. In the case of judgment, um, discernment can be psychological. It could have things to do with moral, uh, aesthetic in nature. Um, in the confines of what discernment can be, also it can be context, scientific, normality, and formal. Um, the tenses we were talking on are um, psychological, moral, and aesthetic. Those are what we reached out here and talked about. And inside boundaries, you have to understand this uh, thing. You will have to set them. You will have to have them at some point. And along with everything that Amy, with her vast knowledge, uh, passed along about her experiences in life. Um, take those things, uh, use those as a reference because everybody has a story to tell. And inside people's stories, you find things that necessarily don't happen to you, but you can relate to them. And with boundaries, seeing certain things will trigger your mind. And that's the thing that we don't always do. And not everything's triggered or it doesn't, um, we don't get a certain awareness to it. Um, even though it could be happening to us today, but listening, you, you will get this type of awareness and to the testament of the type of person that she is for her to come on and to give her story and to speak her piece about her parents and to do all that. Uh, I greatly appreciate that. And I thank you for that because of that it may not be a hard issue for you, but it is a hard issue at the same time because those are your parents. So tying everything up and closing this out, um, I'm going to actually let Amy close it out. I'm just going to say this real quick. Um, boundaries with discernment, they go hand in hand. They, if you don't know anything about discernment, please contact Amy, me, or anyone. And actually just look up the word. Look up the word and however you process things and however you work things out. If you look at the word, don't necessarily look deep into the definition. Look into the experiences in your life. because you know, the similar words would be judgment, taste, um, refinement, cultivation. Those type of words tie into this also. So it's a deep uh, level and um, understanding that you have to put with that word discernment. And it is the structural portions of boundaries. So that's my take on it. And I'm passing it to Amy to put the final words. I'll take that baton. I love what you said. Uh, the bridge between what you're speaking of, the boundaries and discernment, and the stuff I was speaking of regarding the heart chakra and being vulnerable is that bridge. Okay, vulnerability is the bridge between boundaries and discernment and opening your heart chakra. By speaking about my childhood abuse, which is difficult because I've spoken about it at great length, and thank you for recognizing that. Um, I don't want people to think that's easy. Um, I'm being vulnerable to, to bridge a gap between boundaries and discernment 
and this ability to open your heart chakra. When you have gotten to the point where I have with a lot of uh, shadow work, as we say in my world, or therapy in Western, you know, technical terms, you say to the universe, I am more interested in connecting with humanity, learning my lessons and moving forward in my ascension process. More importantly than that, and I touched on this with JR pre-podcast. I always talk about the vein of abundance. If you follow me on Instagram, um, you scratch your vein of abundance wide open by being vulnerable, by operating from your heart chakra, by matching the ascension process of planet earth and being as positive as you can at all times by vibrating in a positive space, by being vulnerable, by, by the word is love. If you can live your life in love with yourself, but not in a narcissistic fashion, as we spoke about earlier in a fashion that speaks to compassion where you say, here's me, I'm being vulnerable. There's you, I'm compassionate for whatever it is you're going through while we're relating to one another. You have now, and I've just naturally did this, like my hands are, are tied together to you know my forearms. One is you, one is me. We're embracing one another in love and saying there's space on this planet for not just the two of us, but all of humanity um, in the word love. Love yourself, love one another and be well. And thank you so much for everything. Okay, I like that. And like always, audience, we're going to close out the show. It's me, Amy. We need to, once you become a uh, real, really way more uh, famous than what you are right now, um, we're just going to just call you Amy J. We'll, we'll keep the, area, the, the hairs, but um, I want to thank you for coming on the show once again um, and helping out with a new series, being the first episode inside that. Um, boundaries is something that I want to touch on. I'm going to end up probably making it a 16-part series. It might even get its own podcast one day. But I want to thank you so much for that. Um, and audience, once again, um, all of her social medias and everything like that, I will put along in the show notes so that you can find her. Then you can uh, check up on this exciting book that's coming out in October, presumably, presumably correct, or it will be out. In October. I'm working on it. You know, I'm, I'm plugging away. It's it's I'm guessing it's going to take a year. Um, I my my first book title that sold out is. It took one night. I thought this was going to take one month. Um, the metaphysical version did, but I'm weaving a story around it now as a novel. So the novel is a big deal and it's taking a long time. I Let's put it all out there that it's a year. And then I'm often running not just a local public figure, but a worldwide um, public figure with the Ascended Master on every coffee table. Um, I'm, I'm just putting it out there right now. Uh, yes, call me Amy J. It's it's happened before. Uh, AJ is another one that I love. And um, I will always have space in my heart for JR. No matter how busy I get and how famous I get, we will still podcast together. I, like I said to him, it'll probably be five minutes at a time whenever I can. Um, but but I'm so blessed and honored to have met you. Uh, and, and yes, please use the show notes 
a lot of people don't contact me when they can. Right now, I'm able to be open and accessible to everybody as much as I can. That's not going to happen forever. Uh, so definitely heed what he's saying. Contact him. Contact me if you have any issues. I am your ascended master, Amy J. Harris. I am at your service. All right. And once again, everybody, I want to thank you all for listening to this episode. And we're signing off.